This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast, our weekly show in which we look at a more fitness focus on Arsenal, but of course still talking about all things Arsenal and the occurrences that have taken place over the past week. Uh, and of course we talk today, we're recording on Tuesday evening, which is uh, only moments after Arsenal have won their second mid-season friendly against AC Milan, which we're going to talk about. Uh, we're also going to look ahead to the next Arsenal game against Juventus and lots of the uh, injury stuff and transfer stuff because there's been quite a lot of transfer stuff going on in the world of Arsenal as well uh, and then because it's been snowing here in the UK and storming there over in the US we thought we'd have our end of pod discussion around our fitness goals uh, about what we can do to kind of tackle the uh, the excuses that I have been using not to go outside and run this week um, to do so I'm joined by Sophie from the Hybrid Squad how you doing mate you good Joel? Doing good. I was trying to figure out how to do eat, sleep, Arsenal, repeat a little bit like the YMCA. So we need to come up with, <laughs> you know, yeah, I could eat. do the eat and the sleep, but then the oh, Arsenal yes, repeat yes, I struggled with. So right, we need right. some so tips. On the that aim one. is when we're like, when we've done this for 10 years and we're doing like yeah. a live show in front of 10,000 people <laughs> that they're all doing the eat. Yes, I can see where this is going. Um, we're also joined by Doc Raj. How do you mate? You good, you well? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Just uh, enjoying... Some break, join the World Cup. Mm. Yeah, we're recording this just as Argentina have gone 3-0 up. So you'll know what the actual score was in the end. Um, But Lionel Messi is quite the player. Um, It's fair to say. (laughs) Goodness me. Shouldn't be playing in this game, though, should he, really? He should have had two yellow cards and he should have been... Oh, the controversy. (laughs) I feel like we're living in the Truman Show, but that may be another show altogether. Yeah, oh, I can see the comments now from the uh, the the, Rena- the the Messi stands and the Ronaldo fans. It's like Star <laughs> Wars, right? It's good no, versus it? evil. Uh, I did this article for the Bleacher Report years mm. ago, and it was Messi v Ronaldo, and it felt very Star Wars, good versus evil. Mm. And I know that Ronaldo has not covered himself in any glory of late, but this idea that people kind of want to destroy his legacy and this narrative that has been building that he's this super evil person and Mm. Messi is this butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. I think Messi's a teddy bear with a shotgun and I think Ronaldo is a narcissist in many ways, Mm. but both brilliant and both arrogant, but some show it and others don't. 
Yeah, yeah. I've I've been winding a few of my members up who are the biggest Messi fans. Every time Argentina go through to the next round, that's been my you know my motive throughout this. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan of Ronaldo at all. Um, and you know, I was a big fan of La Liga back in the day. You know, I can appreciate Lionel Messi and the brilliance of Barca. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm hoping that Arsenal might find themselves having uh, generational talents in in different positions. We've spoken in the past about how William Saliba could be the centre back equivalent of those two in the future for us fingers crossed he'll be there uh, but he wasn't involved uh, as Arsenal beat AC Milan in their second mid-season friendly so did you catch the game I know it was a really awkward time for a lot of people out there in it the was West. an awkward time for me unfortunately I did not so I can't mm. speak to performances um, I, I of course love the result and I think it's another you know solid <laughs> confidence builder in the right <laughs> direction and Vinny completely <laughs> agrees with that, me, by the way yeah. so yeah that's Vinny going to join how in dare you second. come on Arsenal podcast having not watched the that's what he's saying <laughs> no lovely stuff I, I think that from my perspective because I know Raj you haven't been able to catch it either it was a really awkward time for those out uh, in the US to, to tune in for what is you know just a glorified friendly so you know it's not like we're playing in in, in the league and, and people are getting up at these silly hours to watch it and of course Arsenal charging for the game as well which I know some people have taken umbrage with and decided not to watch them either because of that which is fair enough everyone's entitled to their view on that I thought it was a really good performance in the sense that we came up against a side that tested us. Leon didn't test Arsenal at all. You know, they were really poor in their game. Uh, they then went and beat Liverpool, ironically, 3-1 in the next game, which kind of tells you maybe where Liverpool are at right now. But, you know, Milan really challenged Arsenal in this fixture. Um, I'm gonna, well, I would have already covered it in the morning 8am show, but so I won't go into too much detail. But I was really impressed with the way in which Arsenal kind of dealt with the pressure. And then when the opportunities came in the final third for us, we took them. You know, a free kick from Martin Odegaard, fantastic finish. Uh, and then, of course, quite a fortunate finish from Reese Nelson, which Cannon then offered a guard to give him a second goal. Um, maybe if it hadn't have taken that deflection, it wouldn't have gone in. Who knows? We won't know. But uh, Odegaard's only going to improve confidence. Go on, Soph. Tom, what are you actually looking for in these games? Because we know the Dubai carpet's kind of, it's pre-season football, right? But it's a little bit different because we're mid-season and we have a very important fundamental final act of that season to come for the Arsenal in terms of where we are at, we have a major injury to an integral player who has helped get us into that top position, five points clear of City. So what is it your look? What's the purpose for you here with these games? I think winning is the number one. We have to win the games because momentum is so important when going back into the Premier League action. If you think back to the summer and you think about the preseason we had, we won every single game. And we used those, I think it was five or six games that we had to then go into the season and we just won and won and won and won. And that momentum is so crucial. And I think it's even more important in a mid-season friendly, which is a you know complete first and really strange time for us. But after we've had this break and this big distraction of the World Cup, to see the players perform and win and play exactly how we've been playing, no matter who's starting, whether it's players that have been at the World Cup coming back like Partey and White did today, or players that have barely played much football for us, playing the way in which we have topped the table this season. That, for me, is the key thing. I mean, Raj, for you, is like momentum must be massive. But is, I mean, so far as the question, do you think there's anything more than just momentum that we need to look to in these mid-season friendlies? I mean, I think results are key, like you said, because of course you want to win the games and that's important. But then the second part, the aspect you mentioned was how they're playing. And so the rhythm that they're playing with, which we know was integral 
to having this five point lead, right? Having that fitness, having that, excuse me, not fitness, having that rhythm, having that chemistry is critical. And the other part I'm looking at is the fitness aspect because mm. uh, we've talked about it before. I think me and you, Tom, is you can't replicate in-game fitness without playing in matches. So I want to see how they're now reacclimating to these in-game demands and seeing how the players are able to do that. And, you know, but guys, when players come back who are playing their first game, like a Ben White, for example, you want to see how they're readapting and, and those aspects. Because, you know, there has been now a relatively significant gap of time between the last match and their most recent one. So, you know, as this kind of second preseason moves along, I'm looking more and more at that, at how they're ramping up for the actual Premier League season for the Doc, second half. I have, a, I, have a, I have a question for you in terms of, aside from the Benjamin Whites of the world and the Sackers and Jackers who are coming back into the fray, having been an integral part of the team, can you explain to me a little bit of the plays on the periphery who are part of the Dubai Cup, who maybe have a chance to come in in January, FA Cup. You know, we're going to have a, potential injuries, who knows, fatigue, mental, um, you know, uh, fatigue as well after World Cup. How that fitness ramps up, because it's very, is it different? Like if you're playing under 21s or if you're one of the guys on the periphery and you haven't been as active or, or competitive in the Premier League or the World Cup is, What's the difference is there if you are having to jump in? I mean, yeah, it's a different difference because you haven't really played in in the number of matches or the, the same intensity of matches. And they'll do their best. The physio staff will do their best to try and take them through those sessions to try to, to adapt to that. And you even have players, for example, after games who haven't played who will go through either warm-up and cool-down sessions as well to get them that conditioning aspect but there is still that jump into matches. So you know, you're doing your best to try to give them enough time to adapt to that. And the preseason is a good time for that. Cause like you said, you don't have all your normal players playing their normal amount of minutes. So you're trying to then give these players balance games to build up their baseline level of fitness. So when they do play in that cup game or they do have to play, in that substitution role, or if there is an injury, which you, which we might see a few of, you know, throughout mm. the league, not just for Arsenal, right? They can jump in and and kind of hit the ground running. But it, it's a fine balance. It's not easy to do, and that's why this break can be difficult to navigate because you just had guys really building up that match fitness, and then you take a break, and now you've kind of built it back up again, right? So it's almost that pause, and it. It's, you know, it presents itself with a lot of new variables. Just we have never seen this before. Yeah. And I think that with with the way in which we've got this staggered return of players, um, Arteta managing when to start and how much to use and when to bring others into the fold is going to be absolutely critical to get that spot on. Because, you know, White and Partey came back in today after a few days training, played a half, came off at halftime for Cedric mm-hmm. and, for, and for El Nenny, who replaced them. And and then we've got, obviously got Granit Xhaka's back. He waived a little bit of his holiday. He did spend some time off, but waived. You know, the, the players have been offered, to my understanding, seven days off. Um, and then they some of them have waived it. Some have decided to come back a little bit early. Bakaya Saka and Ramsdale are now back in Dubai as well. Uh, whether or not they'll 
you know, feature at all in the game on Saturday against Juventus. We'll have to wait and see. But Tommy Asu, Martinelli and Jacker are said to be back in training this week and so could be involved in some way, shape or form against Juve. I don't expect Saka and Ramsdale to be involved, to be honest. And so if that then gives Arteta a really weird dynamic for the game against West Ham, because there's then nine days between you know the 17th when we play Juve and then this game on Boxing Day. If you're Arteta, you've seen Saka play a lot of football in a short space of time at the World Cup. You've seen players like Ramsdale, you know, play nothing. Um, ben White play nothing. Um, William Saliba, of course, if he gets the final, will be coming back after... Um, eight days uh, or probably around seven days off, but has not played at all throughout the tournament. How do you think the differing amount of football that the players have played on the pitch? Yes, they've been training, but how much do you think the differing effects of playing and not playing in this tournament over the course of what has been five to six weeks will impact how they all return to the field and and also potentially impact Arteta's decision of how he reintegrates them? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think on our first episode, we may have touched with the doc a little bit on the mental side of things. So oh. if you haven't played in game, you know, like Martinelli and Jesus didn't, but Brazil still, still lost, what does that mean to you? I spoke to Warren Barton and Kev about this yesterday as well. Mm. Uh, you know, if you're Saka, you've played in that England game, how differently are you affected by maybe Ramsdale who didn't? Um, and they felt as players, there's definitely a different impact when you're in the moment and in the game versus ma- having not exerted that mental and physical energy in a match that took a lot out of you. I think Saka has proved to everybody that he is a mental monster and he is somebody who can come back from adversity. After the Euros, he proved that, you know, racially abused, also physically spent having played so many games for Arsenal become the player that we really relied on. But even at his young age, came back even stronger, has probably this season um, been having his best season in terms of maybe not stats, but performances because Jesus has elevated his game as well. So I'm not too worried about him from a physical or mental point of view because he's proven to Arsenal Football Club and fans that he can balance all of that having been the play that we've relied on. I think Ramsdale has shown that he's got a character and a personality that can overcome adversity. Uh, He jumps right back into the mix. I'm going to say something here about Benjamin White, and it's just Mm. my personal opinion. It's not based on any fact or article or anyone I've spoken to. I think he's one of those players where he probably loves his country, but it's not that important to him that he plays for England. That's just me Mm. looking from a distance at a player who doesn't really watch football, who does this as a profession and has lots of other things in his life that he's passionate about. Mm. I don't think he's affected at all mentally. Um, And we'll see. The proof will be in the pudding when everyone comes back. So I think Mikel's been prepared for this moment. I think he's been ready for his players to come back. The issue is going to be more physically. I think they're mentally because this team has shown growth since falling apart last season in terms of how we've started this season, Tom, and what we've seen from the World Cup. I think they're ready to come back and they're happy to be back in the Arsenal family and get rolling again. Raj, yeah. did you want to come in? No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think part of it we understand, part of the, the ID, the talent ID with our, with Ardetta and Edu is that they look at the psychological profiles of these players and that's a big reason why they have them in 
in the squad, right? They do a lot of work talking to the previous coaches, previous teams to understand what makes them tick, how they respond to adversity and that mental makeup. And it's, I don't worry about the mental side at all with any of these guys. You see how together they've been the second half of last season, right? Into this season, how they celebrate all the little things, every game they celebrate. To me, it's not a negative, you know, obviously we know all this nonsense from the media comes about cool. celebrating these games. To me, that's a huge positive because they're literally focused on every game and understanding that it's imp- that nothing is given to you in the Premier League, right? So on one hand, it's funny that people say nothing's given to you and it's hard, but then you celebrate and it's a problem, right? No, like they're celebrating because they put a lot into these matches. And it's not just a cliche that they're saying. They always say game by game, right? It's a cliche. Everyone says game by game. But they're actually taking it game by game because you see how much they appreciate and celebrate every game and the wins. And so, and you also seen even when the team had a loss, you know, at Old Trafford, look how they mm-hmm. responded, right? And they went off. It could have easily been a blip. It could have easily, you know, you know, gone into this vicious cycle. But right afterwards, right back to winning and had a huge run. So the mental side to me, I think they've shown this incredible resilience. It's going to be come down really to that physical side. And how do you reintegrate players? Like you were saying, Tom, I think more so physically and having those bounce games. And then now, of course, with, uh, you know, Jesus being out and then, and seeing how that affects the team as well. So that to me will be the, the more is more of the question mark. But that being said, every club faces that it's not just something that's specific to Arsenal, right? So those are those are going to be variables for every club. Absolutely. Um, I, I did want to talk about Ben White because um, it's interesting. You said that you don't think that you know, this is going to phase him really from from the point of view of leaving England as kind of the sole factor in that sense. That that's not going to you know weigh on his mind that he missed anything. I mean, England got knocked out, of course. You know, it's not like he missed England going on to win the World Cup in in a sense. The initial statement, Sophie, was from Arsenal and from the FA that said he'd gone home due to personal reasons and that they uh, said that they hoped that people will respect his privacy during this period. Um, now, whilst I agree with you, I don't necessarily think that the England side of things will have a mental effect on him. Um, what I am and was concerned about and, and frustrated to see, you know, was some of the stories that came out during that period that he was out. The, the suggestions, I think it was the Daily Star, a reporter from the Daily Star, um, that uh, wrote the story around how there had re- allegedly been a bust-up with, I think it was Holland, the assistant coach of Gareth Southgate, um, and then when obviously asked about that by Gareth, you know, when Gareth Southgate was asked about that, he basically said something on the lines of, if I, get, if I give you any answer to that story, it gives it some anything of credibility, which, you know, is insinuating that there wasn't. Um, my colleague Kai Karnak was in Dubai today watching the game and in the press conference with Arteta, and, you know, Arteta was asked about how he kind of feels about the stories that are going around about Ben White, and he said that we can't control that. You know, he said that he knows what Ben like Ben White is like, you know, he, he talks about how he, how much respect he has for him, you know, how high he rates him as a character and as a footballer. Um, so when you kind of saw these, you know, stories going around and also kind of the incessant need of people to know why he'd left, what did you make of the situation as a whole and how it affects him? I, 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 
I really think this is an important question that you're asking because so many times in modern times uh, and social media gives people permission to think they know the truth to everything and they don't. And even a lot of the times, even people in, you know, journalism, broadcast media, whether you're a pundit, you may think you know, but you don't. So all we can do and what we do is provide an opinion. It's not fact, it's an opinion. Um, but a lot of people were providing opinions on Ben Wyatt without having at least some facts available to them to back up the opinion. So we watch a game, we have facts, we have stats, uh, and we have things that we can go by to comment on. And here's a situation where a player leaves a, 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 a World Cup and everyone has an opinion. And can I just say that some of the opinions are grotesque? And this is the part of social media that is really, truly ugly. But can we also just take a beat and think about the play that we're talking about here? Um, Gareth Southgate was given an opportunity there to, uh, you know, elaborate on what the cause was, but chose not to. He also had the opportunity to, you know, kind of maybe take things in a different direction, considering the narrative, the exterior narrative that was happening, did not do that. Mm. What we're talking about here is a player who's played under Marcello Bielsa. If, if you know football, and I respect any player who has played under Marcello Bielsa, period, no matter what country, what league, at international level, which he has managed a, a couple of teams. If you played under Marcello Bielsa, you need to have discipline. You need to be, uh, you, you have to be able to make sacrifices. It is an intense, intense endeavor to play football for him. And he did that at Leeds. And by the way, he was a huge reason why Leeds were able to garner a promotion when they did. Graham Potter. We've seen the evolution of Potter as a manager, uh, Tom. And what he's been able to do at Brighton, uh, you know, suffers no falls, takes no prisoners, was on a mission himself, both both personally and professionally. He's now the manager at Chelsea. You don't get selected by him. Uh, and then you move to Arsenal. Here's a play that has had zero controversies written about him, by the way. No issues with any manager at any point. Mm. And I feel like there's a narrative that's any opportunity to build something against Arsenal or to have an ammunition against this club to derail us from where we're at or where we're going is really um, quite evident to see. And I think, you know, Raheem Sterling was treated with so much respect, a horrible, horrific experience to think that you are far away and your family is in jeopardy and something has happened to them. And rightly so, he flies home, family first, always. Written about... Certainly in a different way. Benjamin White, not so much the same respect. And we've seen this before, you know, with Rashford even. Does so many great things off the field. You know, there's always this underlying tone when they're writing about Rashford. So I think that when we're looking at the overall story, it feels like people are trying to derail Arsenal. And if they can utilize their players in any way to help do that, they will. Mm. I do think that uh, there is something about Arsenal. Um, I don't know why uh, it exists. Um, you know, the examples of Rashford and 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 Sterling, what I will say on those two in particular is that there are some outlets that do write about those two 
you know, differently, nothing to do with the club that they play for. That's um, what I meant by Rashford. Done so many yeah. great things, but yeah. there's this underlying racial tone when they write mm. about him, which is just, you know, abhorrent. You know, some of the things that I've seen written about both him and Sterling, you know, have been, you know, and Bakaya Saka, you know, I mean, just on the World Cup thing, the difference in the coverage between Bakaya Saka after the Euros and Kane after the World Cup was stark. Like you look at some of the front pages, it's, yeah, it's, it's concerning. Um, on white, Raj, you know, mentally, actually not meant, I suppose mentally, he did this interview and you probably remember it because it's probably the most famous interview that he's done where he talked about the fact that he says he doesn't really like football or he, he said, well, he didn't say he doesn't like football. That's unfair. He said that he doesn't watch football outside of really playing it. Like when he goes home, he doesn't go and watch a game. And this is something that's really followed him. And not only that, but when he does interviews, and this has gone quite viral as well, obviously, I find it quite amusing. Even, even as someone who's probably going to come face to face at some point with Ben White in the mix zone, and I'm going to have to ask him a question. You know, I find it quite amusing how he answers some of the questions um, because he's very short, he's very blunt. I do think there is some motive and, you know, meaning and, you know, um, he know I think he knows what he's doing um, with, with the interviews. Um, and I think that for some people, I don't really know why they're offended by it, to be honest, because me as a journalist who's going to be one of those people, I'm not offended by it. You know, I think it actually presents a challenge um, to, to you as a journalist to come up with questions that might provoke a better response or a more um, kind of thought through response from Ben White. But the interview that he did where he talked about he doesn't really watch football or he didn't, I think he mentioned about Patrick Vieira and he wasn't, you know, he didn't really watch Patrick Vieira. And I know for an Arsenal fan, especially, you know, those that have I've watched loads of Patrick Vieira and grew up watching Patrick Vieira, that might seem like completely alien to them. But what do you make of kind of how that's been a bit of a stigma now that's attached to him for some and that that kind of affects their viewpoint him as not just a footballer, but as a person? I mean, I think it's, it's silly because... Again, like what Soph was saying earlier, if you look at what he's actually done on the pitch, I mean, he's played multiple positions, right? Fit in there, sacrifice for the team. His injury record is incredible, which tells you how committed he is off the pitch. And we know Bielsa's training methods, as we saw at Leeds last season, are incredibly hard on the players. And he got through that, right? barely missing any games he's played through multiple knocks for arsenal you can see his right knee is always taped i've commented on that multiple times so this is a guy we look at actual evidence who if he didn't love football love playing it right none of these things would exist i think he's a guy who wants to me it's actually healthy he wants a mental break from the game when he's not playing it because he spends so much time in it that's not an unhealthy thing. It may be atypical, but to conflate that, you know, with some negative stigma, again, to me, it's just, it's just noise again. There's, there's always going to be noise. Even the stuff with him leaving, the, you know, the England team, it's just so much noise. Speculating about it isn't worth, the, you know, the mental energy mm. on it, right? Because, like, I mean, like, like we've seen, we know the evidence with the guy, with the managers he's played for. We know this season adapting to the right back position and how he's done it. And he didn't do it, you know, with a peep, right. Mm -hmm. That someone took his normal position. There's been not even, you know, one peep about how he's upset about that. He does the job and he does it really, really well. And he's committed, you know, uh, mentally and physically. And I think, you know, I think he's a guy who's just, like you said, with his answers, with how he is, he has different interests. So whenever you see someone like that, who's not the typical, person you always gonna have people oh. say things negatively about him 
but I don't think he cares. And that's what I love about him. I don't think he gives a, you know, what about any mm -hmm. of it. Right. And I think that's what makes him so good on the pitch. He's focused on what the people around him think, the people who are important, his coaches, his teammates, the rest doesn't matter. Doc, do you read medical books when you go home and you're like, or you're chilling? You know, you take. That's all I read. Um, yeah, exactly. That's all I read. <laughs> no, other, no other interests in my life. No other interests. No. Yeah, I think. I, I guess pub? because no, I want to no, watch. I want to no. read Science Magazine. Is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because it's entertainment that people feel like. If Martin Scorsese came out and said, "I don't watch movies," people would be weirded out by that because he's a film. Spielberg, Scorsese. They're junkies of their craft. They watch movies, you know. I just think maybe modern-day filmmakers, modern-day footballers, they're not the same. Maybe it's the psyche of a new generation and a new youth that don't feel like they have to be consumed 24-7 by their craft, uh, Doc, and they have to actually quiet the chaos in order to maybe be able to hone their craft. It's a different beast, isn't it, I think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also now it's a different, I mean, you have, you have social media, so you're constantly bombarded by things. So you need these breaks, right? So it's not something you can just turn off anymore as easily as you could. I mean, we didn't have teams going on warm weather camps to get away and doing this team building before. We didn't have players who went on holidays whenever they could to get away, right? It's just times have changed. There's so much more coverage of these players, so much more of a microscope that – to me, it's healthy to get away from some of these things, especially if you know you're the type of person who's affected by them. Some people aren't. You know, there's some people who can be on social media and understand what it is and not let it affect them. Great. There's some who aren't able to do that, right? So if you're not, then just get away from it. I think he does a great job of that. And, you know, this thing that he's not watching football. You know how much film he's probably watching with the club, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you, you know, he's watched, probably watching so much film on these teams right so he's probably overall watching <laughs> more than any fan is and in much more depth right he just doesn't care to watch more of it when he's on when he wants he wants a break who cares it's funny uh the quarterback of the bengals as well tom i don't know if you you follow what you saw but joe burrow he's quite a protege i mean he's a big deal here and you know won the championship at college level and really got stuck into social media, was doing a show with a very popular host here called Colin Cowherd and stuff like that. And he's chosen to take a break um, for, a, you know, takes these breaks every month or so from social media in mm. order to just reset and just refocus. Because before he knows it, it starts snowballing and he realizes he's in the mire of all of it. Yeah. Um, so I always find that really interesting with the modern day athlete the other things that they're having to combat and deal with versus maybe what someone like Kev was dealing with back in the day. Mm. Yeah. I mean, social media, like I, I wish I could quit it. I, 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 you know, I, I physically can't not physically, but I professionally cannot because of my job. Like I have to be on social media. It's the best. It is, you know, reluctantly, you have to say it's the best source of like, you know, regular, persistent updates on so many different stories and things um that, you know it's an information overload that you have to if you're not there you just feel like you're missing out on learning something that's going on especially you know and i'm just in the world of arsenal you know arsenal makes up a tiny percentage of what happens on social media which is scary to think about but you know if, if i could if there was a way of kind of giving it a break for a month i would you know when i went on my honeymoon 
I feel like that's probably the first times I've had a genuine break, you know, from social media for a while. Like I pre-recorded all the shows, as you know, Sophie, because you came on one of them. You know, I, that was such a nice detox, you know, from it. And I agree with you, Raj, about what you said about Ben White. He's probably watching so much football like at the club and analysing. And his own football, you know, his own performances. You know, the analysts go through, you know, the performance with the players. We saw it in the All or Nothing documentary, you know, them going through. The private um, sessions too, Tom. Yeah, one-on-one. Yeah, like Carlos Cuesta. Yeah, the guy who does the individual stuff. You know, he's great. He's a really nice guy, by the way, as well. You know, he's really kind of personable. And you can tell why Arteta's got him in the group because he really is kind of that person-to-person, can make friends and talk with anyone. Um, Got a few friends I went to uni with that exactly like that. You know, they can just go out and then I'll make five friends on a night out without without a question. Um, So, yeah, I think that's I I did a trip, similar trip, like a couple of years ago. I went in my family, my partner's family's from Idaho. So, you know, we're talking proper camping. It's not California camping, Doc. I think you know what I mean, right? There's California camping and then there's camping. And we're we're out and there's no cell phone service, Tom. And Mm. it is like literally three days, no phone. And it's the most liberating feeling. Yeah. It's wonderful. It really is. And it really makes you super engaged in the moment. And I don't blame athletes who are not on social media or those who take a break from social media because, you know, mm. we talk to the doc all the time here about physicality and the health perspective from that front. But in modern sports, especially, the mental side of things is massive. So, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, the, one of the worst jobs in the world must be running a footballer's Twitter account. <laughs> you know, that must be one of the worst jobs uh, when you think about it, because they they have to see all the abuse. You know, that someone that they obviously work with is facing it must be awful. Um, maybe I'm underestimating the benefits of it. Maybe someone who's listening and does that job. If you are, please get in touch because I'd love to learn about it. That'd um, be a good guest, Tom. That'd it would be, be a good guest. One of our features when we start uh, getting those rolling um, as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, that would be a great idea to speak to someone who works maybe in social media in in sports and and speak to them about what that's like Mm -hmm. if you are one of those people get in touch um and if you genuinely we we, we're going to be hoping to introduce some kind of like 10 minute mini features on this show um outside of the normal podcast that kind of get edited in part of the way through these ones we've got kind of our feet under the table with this so if you feel as though you're in a a business in in the world of health and and stuff like that or social media anything relating to the world of sport as well of course linking in to make it relevant let us know send us a dm we're all available um and I'm sure be happy to hear from you. Uh, the the final uh, there's one quick topic and then one main topic before we talk to the last part of the show. Quick topic, Raj. I want to discuss with you because you quote tweeted the image, of course, that we've seen from Gabriel Jesus. It's been uh, a week now uh, since the surgery ish around that. Yeah. He's still wearing the um, what's what's the technical term for what he's wearing? I've worn it and I can't remember what it's called anymore. It's like the brace, is it? That you guys yeah, it's called knee brace. This is like a huge tensor brace because he's locked. Yeah. I'm assuming that's very normal for someone that's been... I mean, I remember I think I took mine off after two days. Like I was encouraged to to try and walk or try and, you know, move my knee when I I had surgery on, on a ruptured ACL and I had the, um, the, the hamstring tendon reconstruction on my left knee. Um, and I was kind of encouraged to be active and walking as soon as I could, as soon as it was comfortable. But he's obviously a week later still in this brace. Tell me kind of how, just from that image, and I know it's very difficult to kind of ascertain loads of information, but kind of where's your perception around that and what you've seen of it so far? Yeah, I mean, the one thing is we don't really know. He's he's in the brace in that image. We don't know if he's in it all day. Yeah. Right? We don't know. We don't know. It could just be something where they're trying to wean him off of it as well, right? 
And so that's why it's so hard to say based on that, trying to, you know, what, what's going on until we really see more activity. There's just not enough information to really Mm. give, to give on it. Right. So, because it might, it might be something where he had just done, you know, some physio and they want him back in the brace right after. So that's, it's just a static image. That's why I, I then commented on it saying, I think I even, uh, Mikel said this, right. Like we won't, there's no timeline until yeah. he starts to really, actually Mikel didn't say this. He just said, there's no timeline. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there's no timeline until they, they see how he responds to some of this physio early progressions. That's when it, you start to see more of a kind of clearer picture because you have more information available. And so, yeah, hard to really say anything on him thus far. Um, the positive thing I would say is that he, he seems to still be in very good spirits. Even he had a mm. video last week, right, where he was like you know, kind of singing and stuff. So that's a, the mental part is huge to you know to understand how you're going to you see it as an opportunity rather than something that's going to kind of really impact you negatively. Yeah. That's critical. That's critical for rehab, especially during the season. So that's that's really the one positive silver lining on the on the on the rest. Still hard to really give much information on that. Mm. Yeah, I remember Hector Bellerin when he uh, did his knee. He did that documentary series, mm-hmm. didn't he? When he documented mm-hmm. kind of returning from from that injury, and I suppose that kept his mental state up. Um, it's a shame that you know he didn't ever respond. He didn't come back a player that we we saw prior to that injury. But from a mental side, I think it's, it certainly helped him. Um, the final topic before we go on to our our end of show piece um, is uh, I can't really not talk about transfers. Uh, we didn't really mm-hmm. touch on transfers too much uh, in episode one. This week, Sophie, we've seen kind of a transfer explosion, mainly from David Ornstein at The Athletic. Uh, he dropped a huge kind of you know, vast piece of information on lots of different players on, on Monday. In short, if you did miss it, listeners, it was Arsenal Art looking at Danilo in January. Uh, it was quite a big, interesting story because, you know, it really looked like something that might happen. Um, they are considering entering the race for Mateus Cunha at Atletico Madrid, who is of interest to Wolves and Everton because of the strike situation, which could be a hint that that Jesus' injury is certainly weighing on their minds about whether they'll, you know, tweak or pivot in this window. Um, the other one is that people who are high up in kind of the recruitment end of things are basically saying that Joao Felix should choose Arsenal stylistically because he's a better mm-hmm. fit than most other places. And then the main headline one is, of course, that Mikhailo Mudrik is Arsenal's priority during this window and that this €100 million Euro public price tag uh, behind the scenes seems to be a lot lower. Well, not a lot lower, but you know, significantly lower than 100 million euros and that Arsenal are feeling they have a good chance, I think was the quote that was used in the article, mm. of getting that deal done. So we'll focus on kind of this forward area. So Mudrik, 21 years old, you know, Joao Felix, 23 years of age, more of a striker, more versatile. How are you feeling about Arsenal and their proactiveness at this stage um, and how are you feeling about how good we might be aggressively in the market this winter? Yeah, first thing is one more proven than the other, although the other is and has done well in Europe. Okay, so I said that on our show and kind of got killed from a lot of people saying, oh, well, Mudrick's been... Well, let's be honest, one is more proven than the other. Yeah. But the other has massive ceiling. He's got huge potential and I think would be an exciting addition to the team. Um, Has versatility as well and uh, wants to be at the club, which I think is a massive, massive... A difference for the Arsenal Football Club these days. We saw that happen with Zinchenko and Jesus. They really wanted 
to be at the club. Thomas Partey, no Champions League football, but wanted to come to Arsenal Football Club. Uh, we were able to dangle that carrot. Even if you want to go further back, Aubameyang and Lacazette, Kieran Tierney, uh, all came to Arsenal Football Club without Champions League football. So here we are now. I think much more culturally, culturally, culturally elevated as a club. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and a new DNA and profile that's building for us, a reinvention of Arsenal, if you like. And I think there's a different attraction to us now. You know, uh, people call it a project. I still call it Arsenal Football Club. It's an alluring factor. But now we're going places. That's the difference. There's a, a manager who is driving the club in the right direction, a hierarchy who is helping him um, be able to achieve those goals, and players who we're bringing in that are totally differently built from a DNA uh, and profile perspective. So I think those two plays that you mentioned, really, I think you bring those two plays in January, my goodness, that's exciting. Mm. And people may think that, you know, um, Felix hasn't been that great, but you've got to take into account manager versus style of play, right? Uh, I didn't think he was ever really the right fit to go to Atletico Madrid, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Um, and this player who could have played, I think, for any club anywhere in the world, he's that talented. Uh, Arsenal fans, that would be a major coup if we were to sign this player. Now, he's going to be exceptionally expensive. I'm not sure if we'll go that extra mile and that mm. extra dollar. Mudrik, on the other hand, I think is something that is immediate and exciting and can happen. The other a little bit more far-reaching. Is it are we ending up in that Vlavic basket in that Usum mm. hour when he was hot, hot stuff? Is that where that's going? But uh, I think that that was the, actually the, the backup th- name for this podcast, hot stuff, by the was way. Was it hot <laughs> stuff? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be you and your 8am shows are about to get lit and on fire because you've mm. got literally um, 31 days of it come January 1st and you're yeah. already, you know, plugging away on that. So we'll see. I do yeah. think we have to show ambition. That's the bottom line. We have Absolutely. to show ambition. And I think for me, ambition, and I think people sometimes confuse this, ambition is not how much you spend, it's what you spend it on. That's that's the key yeah. thing. For yeah, me, it's yeah. about competitive quality being well, How much did we spend for Jesus and Zinchenko? Exactly. I think that was reasonable amounts of money for those players. 30 million <laughs> that, for Zinchenko, great deal. That showed major ambition, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that's that's really important uh, to make sure that you are spending the right amount. I think João Felix and Mudrik together is near impossible. The only way I think that we can pull that off is if we somehow agree a loan with an option slash obligation with Atletico that we pay it in the summer. That's the yeah. only way I can see both of them happening. Would you send um, Fabio Vieira the other way? Mm, oh, on, on loan. Is that what you're saying? For like uh, six months or permanently? Uh-huh. I wouldn't do that to him. You wouldn't? You wouldn't, Doc? Why not? Play under El Chola. I mean, ask Felix how he how he likes playing at Atletico, right? In mm. that very, very strict system, right? So, But for us, in order for Arsenal Football Club to get the, what they want, are we willing to maybe put Fabio Vieira in the negotiation basket here? I'd be shocked. I'm not saying they're Somebody's exactly the same player, but... I, I don't yeah. think... I mean, the way he's been playing with this now... With, Vieira is interesting because he didn't have a preseason because he was injured. And so he wasn't able to adapt physically or play with the players. I think he's been playing quite well um, 
during this preseason. He's been developing his conditioning and his physical fitness. So I'd be shocked. If anything, I would see more of a, of a Odegaard example where he's alone for a second half of the season, and then they try to get a, a transfer fee for him. Mm. The the confounding factor there becomes you have a lot more teams who are going to be in for Felix in, in the in the summertime, right? Who can spend more money? PSG comes to mind. Jorge Mendez' relationship with them comes to mind mm. as well, right? So, I think this is a, it could be a question of can you get Felix now? But the out that outlay is still going to be significant because it, it looks like you know there's smoke, a lot of smoke with Mudrick. There's probably going to be fire. I mean, the interviews he's been giving are, are pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like he's just, with with our player's wife, like you know, that's yeah. great. I love, that. I love yeah. the fact that she was like go Gunners at the end of the incident. That's brilliant. Like, well, exactly. Like, so. I mean, yeah. both are very different profiles, right? Madrid is, is much more that winger. Obviously, people look at his pace, but as a, he he offers a, a certain directness yeah. that we lack. Even the way that Saka and even Emil Smith-Rowe at times uh, play is quite different to how he can attack. And because, I mean, he's he's just so dangerous with his ability to attack you and and beat players one-on-one, which we've seen multiple, multiple times. I think the biggest concern for him is how he'll play versus a low block because he's used to playing more so on that counter, right, and using his pace and his power. But I think his ability to to beat defenders 1v1, even versus a low block, and and generate that gravity, have two guys come over to him, is, is incredibly important to play versus a low block. And I think he offers a different type of tool and versatility that, you know, Arteta is looking for because I, what I've seen with all our, the, the, the talent ID with our team is that every single player that we have offers a, a different skill set. So you can ask different questions of an opponent in multiple different ways. And when I watch Mudrick play, he offers a unique skill set that we don't offer right now. And I think that's why they want him. Jao Felix, I mean, I think from a from his profile, his ability to play across the front three, his ability to interchange spaces, his IQ, his chemistry, and the fact that he's not, you know, having to play, you know, park the airplane anymore, park, you know, every game. And so I think that himself, he'll, he'd be very excited, but I just don't know financially how that would work. So that that's, I think that's the question. Is Modric, I see that happening. I think that kind of rules out a move for Felix, unless it's that loan move. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, that's your transfer fix, people. Um, of course, if you want more, uh, you can get a daily fix of it on my show at 8 a.m. And of course, uh, Sophie covers plenty of the transfer talk leading up to things in the Highbury squad as well. So make sure you're subscribing over there. And I'm sure Raj will be giving his thoughts and feelings about the fitness and you know injury records of players linked to the club as well. Um, at 3CB Performance. So make sure you're checking out all of the guys' socials. Uh, and Owen will be making fun of them uh, on the Gooners pod. So you can, you can go check that out there, oh, of course. Owen, amazing. by the way, is ill. That's why he's not here. Sorry, Soph, go on. No, no I said that's amazing. Uh, well, you got everything covered there. With all there you go. Absolutely. You've got uh, discussion, fitness, and taking the mic. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, is he, is he not feeling well because he's worked out too much? 
Did we? That must be it. it. Too much pressure into the ground. Yeah, it's it's definitely not that. Anyway, it's a good segue that because uh, to round off today's show, um, it is here in the UK. It's been snowing. Uh, Outside, it's very, very icy. Uh, I saw speaking to the guys before we came on the call that my mum actually rang me up today. uh, Moments after she'd slipped on her backside in the snow, Uh, she was just walking. Um, You know, if you knew her, she's not the type like me to go out running. So, if she's walking as slowly and carefully as possible and slipping over, yeah, I've got no chance doing a. Uh, doing my mile a day so the challenge is uh, for you two just to kind of round off today's show is for those that are and of course you've been telling me it's been stormy out there in in, in California as well so running or uh, walking in the rain is, is not for everybody it is for some as Sophie was telling us but not for everybody so Raj in it from a cardio perspective if you're indoors and maybe there's tips that people have carried over from the pandemic actually um, how can you work your cardio and get kind of that heart rate going when you're stuck indoors. Yeah, I mean, an easy way of just body weight circuit training can be quite effective as well. And so, well, you know, you take four or five body weight movements and you and you do them on repeat, take a break, and then you repeat it, you know, for circuits, right? So, mm-hmm. it's anything that that any movement is going to get your heart rate going. Is it going to be the same feeling or potentially as effective? As running, yeah, uh, possibly not, right? But it's still some cardiovascular effect, and then you'll probably get some, you know, some strengthening in there too. So a lot of it is just adaptation to what what's going on around you. So, what what gems of knowledge have we got from? So it has been stormy here in California, and I was literally going to reach over here because, in fact, I might hold on one second. So yeah. Go for it. I'm really curious now what <laughs> what got, you're going to yeah. come. This isn't prepared. Me- I'm worried no, now. <laughs> I've got my medicine ball here. So oh, I'm nice. always wondering what – it's always like sit-ups on the stomach. I've got my medicine ball. Yeah. Um, I've also got my uh, – I've got, I've got my yoga mat here. So I'm assuming I can find a something on YouTube, you know, find a yeah. class, do something with <laughs> the yoga mat. And uh, they're a little bit buried, but I have these bands, Doc, that I bought. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Resistance bands, are they? Yeah. And and Tom, here's the scoop. And everyone might relate. Before Mm. I I go out and cycle and get on my bike or get in the rowing machine, I've got to make sure that I'm stretched and my muscles are, you know, I'm safe. I don't want to pull an injury. And Mm. so, you know, I do that for a little bit and then I extend it. And And before you know it, I'm still not on the rowing machine or on the bike, Doc. So. I've got all this stuff here and it's been stormy the last two days and I'm going to make a massive confession to everyone. I oh. actually was looking at it and planning on what to do while I was having a burger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so bad. Good. But well, I'm, we appreciate honesty. This is the I, eat fleet repeat <laughs> arsenal. So, you yeah. know, we have so, we mastered the eat. Part, part I can't part. repeat that though, Tom. That's the part. No, that's the part. That so I, how do I, in how do I switch off Netflix? You know, get off the computer and actually take the mat or the ball mm. and make it happen. You know, for me, and this isn't going to work for everybody. I uh, tend to strip off and look in the mirror. That pretty much gets me off my ass most of the time. <laughs> that's motivation for me. You know, I'm like, right, we're going to sort this out. That's 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 what was, that is. That is my motive. and that's not going to work for everybody, you know, because you know it's just different people, different people. But I think that 
the key yeah, it is really demotivating at the moment, you know, when when the weather's not great and when you're actually prevented if it's snowy outside from 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 doing stuff. So it is it's really tricky. I think, you know, if you live with somebody that helps, especially if they're trying to do fitness as well and they can obviously help you and you can work out together and you can do different things together. I think that's important. Um, I think also planning out your day is key in me. Like I'm going to go, my lunch break is at 12.30. So from 12.30 to 12.15, I'm going to do, you know, 15 minutes of, of, of a hit session or whatever. And later on in the day at, you know, four o'clock, I might do another 15 minutes. And if I could just do half an hour in the day and I've split that up into two 15-minute sections, great. You know, that for me is the key one. If I haven't planned it, I'm probably not going to do it, you know. So I think always making sure I've got it planned out and scheduled is good. And I can see a doctor below me nodding his head. So I must be doing something right uh, in that sense. So, yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, any final tips or tricks, Raj? No, I think what you said, I think, you know, any any new habit, right? And this is really, in the end, it's about developing a, a habit. <laughs> and um, you have to be intentional about it. So you have to set, I think being able, if you can set a time, well, a few different things. One, having it be small enough that you'll like, if your goal is to, I'm going to work out for an hour and you never, mm. you haven't worked out in X amount of time, not going to happen. Right. So do something that's a reasonable time frame. do it, try to do it at the same time every day. So it's, it just becomes right. So it's not mm. even something you think about anymore. It's just part of your schedule and those two things. And then having it planned out, you want to reduce the barrier to entry as much as you possibly can. And so, and then the fourth thing, if possible, like for with cardio, if you have a favorite show that you love to watch, you know, watch it while you do some cardio. So instead of associating mm. this with something you hate to do, you associate it with something you like to do, right? 30 minutes of a show you can watch while you're doing some cardio and you don't even feel it as much. And then naturally in your brain, it starts rewiring as, hey, I actually kind of like to do this because you're, you're, you know, you're overlapping something you like to do with something you may or may not like to do. And so over time, that just kind of helps you get over some of these early obstacles or listen to a podcast that you really like, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So try to overlap some of those things you like to do with working out. And eventually, you know, once you see the results and you get into a habit, you might not have to do that. And so may or may not. So those just, you know, some easy kind of like early tricks that I always talk about. And so I think the biggest thing, try not to do too much at the start, just, just ease into it. Like you said, you know, yeah. 10, 15 minute morsels, and then it becomes self-reinforcing. Lovely job. Right. I'll put Anfield 89 on and then I'll put the <laughs> Invincibles talk and then I'll just keep going. I'll keep yeah, going. there you go. Yeah, there you go. More, more, more and listen to this watch. podcast too and oh, keep going. Of <laughs> what's, what's better to motivate you than listening to yours? <laughs> that is the way that medicine, that medicine ball was dusty, guys. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. There's some dusty dumbbells downstairs, that's for sure, that are going to be uh, much, much more in use uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I haven't yet set up the Strava. Um, uh, groups that hasn't stopped people that are listening to the podcast finding me because i get emails now <laughs> saying so and so has followed you on strava i'm like no they're finding me <laughs> they're gonna know what i've not been doing <laughs> um 
but yeah, the reason why I haven't set up yet is A, because it's been really snowy and I don't really want people to see that I haven't been doing too much running of late. <laughs> um, but that will obviously be back underway next week. It's meant to go up from, it was minus three this week. It's going up to 13 in a space of a week next week. Nice. So it's going to be much better. Uh, that's Celsius, of course, uh, not Fahrenheit. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, hopefully much better. So by next week's show, when Owen hopefully will be back and feeling better as well, um, we will have uh, the Strava group or community or club or whatever it's called. I'm going to get that up and running so we can all get started and, and added to that. Um, and also, of course, whether or not there'll be a show the following week, because that will be the day after Boxing Day. So availability around Christmas, of course, we're going to be uh, – there might not be a podcast, uh, and we'll obviously talk to you about that when we have more details on that. But we will be back, don't worry, once the Christmas festivities have completed. And uh, let's be real. It's Christmas. You know, there is always cheat days around Christmas. So it might not even be the best time to be talking <laughs> – uh, yeah, it might, it might not be the best time to be talking about that sort of thing <laughs> anyway, because we're focusing on stuffing our faces with Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes and, and turkey or uh, the equivalent vegetarian option, of course. Um, so, yes, lovely stuff. Uh, that is going to bring us to an end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Sophie, thank you for your time. Much appreciated, as always. Thank you for having me. Always awesome. Got my doc fix, got my Tom fix. I'm ready to go. I dusted off the medicine ball. Let's do this, people. Come with me. Who's coming with me other than Flipper here next time I will have a fish? <laughs> Lovely stuff. You can make sure you check out Sophie's show at the Highbury Squads. Uh, regular shows over there on Arsenal. So if you're not done listening to Arsenal stuff here, you can then hop over to the Highbury Squad and listen there. Doc Raj, thank you so much, mate, for your time as per. Uh, thank you so much for your expertise. And uh, yeah, tell people where they can find you, of course, as well, what you're going to be up to. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, you can always find me on pretty much all social media channels, YouTube, Twitter, here more often, obviously, uh, TikTok a lot more frequently as well, uh, at nice. 3CD Performance as well. And so um, not really up to much, man. Seeing patients, looking forward to this, uh, of course, Saturday, Saturday's match, correct? Mm. And, and then World Cup final, of course, coming up. So that'll be fun. And of course, you know, holiday stuff is always fun as well, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Christmas is upon us. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to the festivities. I'm looking forward to getting to the Emirates on Saturday. I'm going to be there uh, on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. Got that confirmed today, which is nice. And Boxing Day as well was confirmed too. So yes. double, double Arsenal fix at the Emirates this uh, coming week. So I'm Get looking it. forward to that. Um, hopefully maybe I can give you some gems uh, from the mix zone. And maybe I might be able to sneakily ask a health question to one of our boys in the mix zone. We'll have to see if that comes up with the opportunity do drop a like on the video subscribe if you're new go follow at the hybrid squad at uh, 3cb performance at the guna talk tv we will see you and owen hopefully we'll be back soon we wish him the best as well um thank you for listening see you soon and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.